final section of Ruth today, as we conclude with the book of Ruth. And I've learned a lot about myself through this. You guys have learned about me. We've learned some maybe different scenarios about Ruth. And um, hopefully I've helped to expand your understanding of what Ruth and Naomi and Boaz have went through. Today I'm um, hoping to... uh, help link the genealogy. How many of us here actually go through the genealogy and just kind of glance over it because it doesn't mean that much because we don't know the people in the Bible as well as we maybe should have? I know I struggled with that. So by a show of hands, how many of you up to David know almost all the people from Abraham to David? Not very many, me either. But I'm going to add a few today, which hopefully bring uh, some more understanding to that of our Messiah, Yeshua. And we're going to see the struggle of some of these uh, this is historical uh, believers in some of the passages that Ruth and Naomi and Boaz also struggled with. So let me um, first start with a summary of Ruth chapter 1, 2, and 3. Yet first, I want you to know a little bit about what I went through because we talked about my weekly uh, uh, habits and my weekly work schedule. One thing I didn't add was I have two little children, and one of them kept me up most of the night last night. So if you'll pray for me, give me some strength, we'll get through this together. Um, It wasn't the easiest night, so uh, that is one of the things, but I love them to death, and my wife actually helps keep me going, so thank you. In Ruth chapter 1, we see Elimelech um, take his family from an area in the promised land that was going through a drought, and had uh, it was just not being able to produce any crops, because in chapter 4, we're actually going to see that there was a piece of land that Elimelech owned that it's referred to. So he takes his family and he moves to Moab where he thinks he can maybe make it a little bit easier on his family and uh, provide for them. And when he's there, he actually ends up dying. And then while Elimelech and Naomi uh, take their two sons, Melon and Chilion, (coughs) to Moab, Somewhere in that time period, Malon and Chilion married Moab women. Um, And we know that one was married to Orpah and one was married to Chilion. And during that time, the women actually never bore or bare any children to them, which will also come up in chapter 4 as I explain things. And they also ended up dying too. So Naomi, the original... Uh, family, the only one left was Naomi. And while she was there in Moab, and after her two sons had died and her husband, she was grieving, and she had heard that God had went back into the land and had been blessing his people. And she had family back in the land, and she chose to return from Moab back to Bethlehem, back to the promised land. So as she's going along, and she has Orpah, and she has Ruth with her, she decides to give them an option to actually go back and encourages 
the two Moabite women to go back to Moab, actually taking into consideration the needs of them. And she basically tells them, go back. I do not even have a son that you may carry on the name or be married to him. So she sends them back. And as we know, Orpah kisses her and she returns back to her people. And Ruth clings to her and basically says, no, not unless, uh, please don't send me back. I will follow you. Your land will be my land, your people, my people, and your God, my God. We've learned through that that Ruth was also a princess. She comes from a line of royalty in the land of Moab. And then, uh, referring to that of Ruth, we see here in Ruth 3, as Ruth came back and she asked Naomi, can I go gather some gleaning? Can I go provide for us some food? And Naomi points her in the direction of maybe a family field. And she starts to glean, and she runs in to Elimelech's family, and, uh, which is Boaz. And Boaz, as I've shared with you, is a type of savior, a type of redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. He shows favor to her, helps her gather more than just a normal gleaning person would. As I've shared with you guys, a normal person that was going after the harvesters would only glean about a gallon to a gallon and a half of uh, barley or whatever they were gathering in those fields. But Ruth gathered about four to four uh, four and a half gallons of uh, seed of barley or uh, whatever was being harvested in Boaz's field. So we see that favor there with Ruth. And then, at the end of chapter 3, it says that, uh, or during chapter 3, Naomi encourages Ruth to find favor in the sight of Boaz, to see if Boaz will want to marry her. And as I shared last week, we think of all of our patriarchs and matriarchs in the Bible as uh, being chivalrous, chivalrous, I can't even say it, chivalrous, okay, um, And yet we have a woman here, Naomi, encouraging her daughter-in-law to ask Boaz, kind of needing to be up front. Maybe Boaz wasn't kind of getting it that Naomi or Ruth was maybe interested. So Naomi sends Ruth to basically ask Boaz if she would want to marry him, redeem him, take care of him, if you will. And Boaz, being a man of God, we see him actually throughout these passages of Ruth, blessing his people, knowing that he's a man of God, trusting in God, for he came through a drought, and he basically tells them, you know, as he walks up, God is a creator of all this harvest, giving all glory to him. And then as Ruth proposes to Boaz, we see him say, Now it is true I am a close relative, however, there is a relative closer than I am. He's taking the scriptures from Deuteronomy 25, if you will, turn there. And we'll read through this whole passage because this whole passage is going to describe what we go into within Ruth chapter 4 in a minute. And we can't get away from this passage that God sets up for caring for his people and carrying on the name of a deceased uh, brethren within Ruth. 
And Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 says, When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Basically, take care of your women, love them, and make sure that the name of the brother or the relative goes on. <clears throat> so the, if that happens, the next child to be born from that woman would actually bear the name of that one that was deceased. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as a wife and perform the duty of a husband, husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall declare, this is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. In Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. This actually shows, uh, shows us the customs and what was going on during the time and how God set forth the time to make sure that that brother did not um, go without somebody carrying on his name. Now, I want to make it clear, let's, uh, we've had a little uprising a little bit between the women and men. I'm going to show you an uprising a little bit later that happened to Judah, because Judah didn't quite want to give his third son to Tamar. But, let's just clarify, the woman would not go to a husband or a relative that was already married. The rabbis have struggled with that. I talked to Dr. Stokes, and that was clarified. Um, so it wasn't like a harem thing. It was going to a relative that wouldn't have been married at that point. So hopefully that makes it a little bit easier to swallow. But as Karen and I were talking, um, there's just some people you wouldn't want to be married to, even though you love their, their sibling and are married to the sibling. So... But it does show obedience to the Lord when you move forward in that way. So we see here that Ruth, I would think, was finding favor with Boaz, and they're moving forward in this way. And that's what Ruth basically says, Hey, you are a distant relative of ours. Are you willing to take me and care for me, to care for Naomi? And then in 3... Uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 18 says, let's pick up there where we see Naomi and Ruth after she's come back and she tells her what's going on. Naomi comforts Ruth with, wait my daughter until you know how this matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. So basically, Boaz will take care of this. He'll go talk to that distant relative to see if he wants to redeem you and me. Or if, if Boaz will. And in 4 we see here, 
Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here, so that they so they, they all sat down. Okay, let's look at this a little bit. It's a closer relative. So whoever Elimelech was actually uh, related to, Boaz may be the second cousin. So if you will, and you know I love examples. So the closer relative, if you will, how many of you li- lived in a small town sometime? Or you see the old men all gather at the same coffee place, maybe McDonald's, day to day. Okay, good. Have a few. Some of you guys need to go on vacation in small towns and go down local McDonald's. Because they all gather through there. But they all have to go past the gate. Okay? And that's what Boaz did. He went in the area where this relative would have to pass to do some business that day. So, for this instance, I'm going to use Steve. If Steve, you'll come. He's a closer relative, and I say, hey, friend, come here, let's talk, and have a seat, and I gather all you guys together, okay, and obviously Steve may not know what's coming, but as I gather the elders, he's going to know that it's pretty serious. I love this part in it, because you see, he gathers them, and he says, Naomi, you know Naomi, you've talked to her, right? You know how she was married to Elimelech? Has come back from the land of Moab. She has no one else here to pass this this plot of land off to. So she needs to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And you're closer to him. So I'm talking to you. I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here, and before the elders of my people. As you can see, I've gathered them all here. They're witnesses. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he's, Okay, so there's this large plot of land, and if you decide to redeem it, you can. But you know that you have to pay for it a little bit, and you're going to have to take care of Naomi. You don't know anything about Ruth yet. Do you want that large plot of land? And it says, Steve would have said, Sure, I'll take that. I'll take care of Naomi. I will redeem it. That's pretty good, right? You know you're going to add to your crops and everything else? So excited about this, aren't you? I am pretty excited. Now, Boaz, he says... On the day you buy this field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The close now you you're like, Whoa, hold on here. Okay. The the rabbis and everybody kind of talk about this. They say, This relative this wasn't a disgrace thing, because maybe and I picked you on purpose. This relative may have been actually betrothed or engaged. Okay? I, so I picked you on purpose. And it says, I can, you would have said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Well, why don't you read it? 
I cannot redeem it for myself, because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Interesting. He d he's not willing to give it up, which I can understand. Because perhaps you're betrothed. Interesting? So he's, it's not a disgrace thing, and it, it's going to be passed on. So he chose the closest relative. He's thinking in godly ways, and he brought forth and made sure he doesn't want it. Thank you. So that's basically what happened. Because Steve didn't want to ruin his betrothal with his beautiful bride and ruin his inheritance. But I love the fact that basically he was willing to take it before that happened, right? I'll take Naomi. I'll take care of her. I'll give you whatever it is to redeem it. Wait, hold on. Now you're going to have to raise up a son or a daughter in the name of the deceased. I didn't know about that part. Nope, sorry, can't do it. Boaz, it's all yours. Now, this was a custom. <clears throat> we see this carried out in Deuteronomy, similar to it. Now, this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his handle and gave it to another. And this was a manner of attestation in Israel. So the close relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. doesn't say which one actually removed their sandal <coughs> as I was reading through this. But it does mean that one of them went home with an extra sandal and one went home with one less. <laughs> and it's basically a certificate of saying, I don't know if they kept it in their closet, but if it ever came back in front of the elders, I have an extra sandal and that's what he said. Okay, so it's kind of proof, if you will. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the, the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilon and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased in his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are wit witnesses today. So in other words, in front of everybody, you, you guys can testify if this ever comes to be a problem. And Steve comes back and says, I would have redeemed her. You guys can say, we were sitting there. We saw everything that was going on. <clears throat> so that's what's going on here in that section and if you recall, I actually said that Ruth was probably married to Chilion, but this actually points to him being married to, or Malon being married to Ruth. So I just want to clarify that as well. Um, there we go. We're on the same page now. <clears throat> now, interesting. So we have all these men gathered here, and in the next verses we see a blessing upon Boaz from the men says, All the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah 
and become famous in Bethlehem. Okay, so just like that, the 12 tribes were raised through Rachel and Leah, right? And become famous. We know this is an understatement because our, our Messiah, Yeshua, comes from this lineage. More than famous. Infamous, if you will. Everybody in the world knows to some extent of who Jesus is. So, and then they go on to say, "May, Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young man. How many of you know was, by a show of hands, was um, Perez the firstborn or the secondborn? How many of you think Perez was the firstborn? Oh, you guys are good. How many of you think he's the secondborn? So, but you still, I still see some confusion. So we're going to explore this a little bit more. Thanks. So why don't we turn to Genesis 38. I'll read through this fairly quickly. And really what we start to see here, as I said, I was going to show you a male figure that had trouble with the Deuteronomy um, statute that God put forward in making sure that the name of the son who passed away raises up another child. So we see Judah here struggling with that. should also know that later on we're going to talk about this, and Boaz's same lineage comes from this passage. Remember, they're in the city of Bethlehem where God said, this is where your people reside. So it makes kind of sense that everybody there is related. And it came about at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adolamite whose name was Hera. Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and she took her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Ur. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. She bore still another son and named him Shelah. And it was at Chezeb that she bore him. Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her. Raise up offspring for your brother. So we see this God mindset here. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother, specifically going against what God had told them to do. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he taught, I am afraid that he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in his father's house. Now after a considerable time, Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, died. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to the sheep shearers at Timnah. He and his friend Hurrah 
the Adolamite. Now, get this. It's over a year that his wife's been gone. And he's going up to the place where they're shearing the sheep. Probably his own sheep at that. It was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she removed her widow's garments, because she's done mourning for her uh, deceased husbands as well, and covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in the gateway of Enum, right? The gateway which Boaz kind of found um, the relative at too, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah had grown up, and she had not been given to him as a wife. The one that uh, Judah was supposed to give is now old enough to bear children. And he didn't do it. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. Understand, as it was expressed, our own family that we're linked into and grafted in, has many, many flaws. And Judah, even though he, we see him in the lineage of our Messiah, has a big flaw. We're about to see what happens. So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, let me come in to you. Hey, can we have sex? That's what he's basically saying. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. He, and she said, They're discovering the wages here. What will you give me that you may come into me? He said, therefore, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, moreover, you will give a pledge until you send it, right? He said, what pledge shall I give you? And she said, your seal and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived by him. Then she arose and departed and removed her veil and put on her widow's garments again. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adolamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. He asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the temple prostitute who was by the road in Enam? But they said, There has never been a temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no temple prostitute here. Then Judah said, thinking of his own behavior and thinking of his own reputation, Let her keep them, otherwise we will become a laughingstock. After all, I sent this young goat, but you did not find her. Now it was about three months later that Judah was informed, Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, has played the harlot. And behold, she is also a child by harlotry. Then Judah said, Bring her out. Let her be burned. We're going to go ahead and basically do what we need to. And yet, it says, It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man whom these things belong. And she said, Please examine and see. Whose signet ring and cords and staff are these? How humbling this is about to be. Judah recognized them and said, is more, She is more righteous than I. Inasmuch as I did not give her to my, my son, Shelah, he did not have relations with her again. So basically he's saying, 
she was doing what she was supposed to in the sight of God. Even though I wasn't, God can still use an individual most of the time, right? If you're walking in the righteous path. And sometimes you being the only light there is very difficult. And she knew what was supposed to happen. And she saw that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to. And it came about at the time she was giving birth that behold, there were twins in her womb. This is my point, going back to the blessing of the men to Boaz. It says, moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. One put out his hand. I can't even imagine that. I've been there for our baby's birth, but one goes out. And the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. Remember, if you're the firstborn, you have double inheritance. You have quite a bit going on. So, But it came about, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out. Then she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Okay, He's a firstborn out, but not the firstborn because of the scarlet thread. Afterward, his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. So, going back to Ruth, where it says, Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by his, this young woman. A lot of us don't look into these passages, but what that meant, and what they would do with the firstborn, bringing up that of the deceased, they would basically go out to the land, is what the rabbis were teaching me, and they would take that son and say, in the name of Chilon or Melon, this child is theirs. Proclaiming that child is the one that's bearing up and being provided as the redeemed one. Here, they mention Perez. He's the secondborn. And they're saying that because the secondborn is for Boaz to raise up children in his name and his heritage to go on. There's a lot more that a lot of us don't get because we don't quite catch this. But that's what they're basically saying. May you have many children and not just the one that you're raising up for the deceased, but many for yourself as well. So I wanted to show the parallels there because there's so much between Ruth and the the Judah story and Tamar and Perez. And we see the lineage later on. So going on in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Interesting there. Because if you think about it, in, in Ruth 1, 4, it points to Ruth or Orpah being married for some time to Malon and Chilion. But yet they didn't conceive. And yet the first time or right around the first time that Ruth and Boaz have relationships, she bears a child. It points to God closing up her womb to some point, and then whenever she's married to Boaz, it happens, and it's a blessing. We all see our children as blessings most of the time, right? Verse 15. 
But this points to God actually being there in that presence. Going on. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today. And may His name become famous in Israel. Again, famous. May He also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. It's not a wet nurse. It's basically stating there that she basically is taking this child and really caring for her. I imagine Ruth played a big part in that as well. But can you imagine you left and you went to Moab with your husband and your two sons? And then you come back with just one daughter-in-law that basically stayed with you. You had no family line behind you. And really, Ruth did quite a bit for her mother-in-law that she didn't have to. Because she gave her the blessing to leave. But she said, your God will be my God. And because Ruth was obedient to the Lord and followed in the ways and trusted Naomi because she believed that God was a living God, God uses her in this way. The neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these, now get this, you're going to catch a few more names. So hopefully the genealogy of Christ actually comes to life a little bit more. Now these are the generations of Perez. We just talked about that. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram, Aminadab, and to Aminadab was born Nashon, and Nashon, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse was the father of David. We can link these things to our Messiah from Matthew 1. But I want you, as you turn there, if you want to turn to Matthew 1, where we'll conclude, just want to remind you, in the story of Judah, Tamar was the one that was walking righteously. Ruth and Naomi were, were coming back to a city that wasn't always righteous, as we sometimes think of the Holy Land as being this God-fearing, holy, righteous place. And yet there's protection that's needed. Even Boaz points that out in chapter 2 of Ruth. Stay here so somebody else won't bother you. And yet this lineage is carried on through people that love God but have their faults. And this lineage, I'll read half of it, makes sense a little bit more as we get to know who our biblical forefathers were. Our patriarchs, our, our matriarchs, because... It links to Ruth and some of the women through this as well. So it talks about the genealogy here in Matthew 1 of our Messiah. And the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, 
Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. Ruth is a Gentile grafted in. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. This genealogy is we get to know the stories and get to know our matriarchs and patriarchs more will mean more to us as it comes to life and we understand the stories. And we should also know that even though we struggle with the scriptures and following God's statutes, as long as we're struggling in a righteous way, because we're from the Western mindset, as long as we're struggling in a righteous manner, we will end up being used by our Lord and our Father through Jesus Christ, who showed us how to live out that perfect example. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Abba, we come before you now. We went through the book of Ruth. We've seen their struggles. Lord, that must have been a struggle for Naomi, losing her husband and two sons. And yet, Lord, we see how you continue to utilize